OBK. You are back. You are back in your normal settings. Yep, I'm staring at the side of my office building. Roasting. Roasting in your car. Roasting. As red as can be. Sunburned already and about to be more so. You survived your family vacation. Barely, but yes. As a dad, there's a Jim Gaffigan bit that I absolutely love where he talks about looking at the face of every father on a vacation. And it's a mixture between seeing your own death and having diarrhea. (laughs) (laughs) And you're, you're basically like looking at every dad who's on vacation with the same face where it's like, yeah, this is not my vacation. This is just a place that I'm at with my family. So surviving vacation as a dad is one of those ones that maybe they could give you a couple of uh, preparatory courses before you sign on the dotted line with your wife and have some kids. Because I know in my experience, I always come back from vacation fulfilled in a spiritual sense, but near death in a physical sense. Yeah. Well, may every dad have, uh, an RPM records oasis as I did so blessedly on this trip. Do the kids, anyway, the kids say what jelly? Jelly. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was super jelly of the private messages you sent me about that record shop. Fantastic stuff. T- today we have an interesting topic. Interesting. Uh, brought forth because the original show uh, topic that you pitched was too much for my small brain to manage. That's going to need some more time. So uh, this is one that we've been sitting on. <laughs> Don't insult me in front of the viewers, please. Um, look at him right now. He's just, yeah, he is. Guys, he's got a small brain. He's my friend, though. I, uh, I, I just I just wanted to use the Destro voice on this podcast so badly. Well, you can. Might have to the day will come. Through. The day will come. This topic will. There's a forthcoming episode that we will use. Uh, the Deathstro uh, voice in Kevin will be fulfilled that for the week turnaround that we had with some other work issues, uh, my tiny little brain couldn't wrap itself around the complexity of putting together the proposed show. So we're going to go with an alternate today, which I still think is absolute awesome sauce. It's outstanding. And it's your idea, OC, and you, you pitched it uh, in plenty of time for us to prep some great stuff uh so back in the back in the day back in the day you and i we were joe kids we were gi joe kids we loved us some as i called them and you can fact check this with my beautiful mother i called them gi joes oh i like it when i was just but this should not be a past tense thing i i still consider myself a gi joe kid Okay, well, uh, that's fully acceptable, as we both consider ourselves Toys R Us kids. Yes. G.J. Uh, Joe, as I called it while I was learning the English language. Still, I'm learning the English language, but G.J. Joe, huge impact my life, huge impact in your life. I can't count how many times we've mentioned G.J. Joe on our podcast. Um no, I can't count that high. Yeah, uh, and, and we will continue to use G.I. Joe in the show. But today's topic plays right into one of Kevin and I's passions in life, which is the old mix matcheroo. We love to mix and match. Uh, if you guys think we're doing a bit, it's not. A lot of our conversations 
pre-podcast, we're always like, dude, well, what if you put this guy in on this show? And what if you took this dude out from that comic book and put him in this? This is not a new thing to us. It's new to the audience. Today's topic is alternate G.I. Joes. So Kevin and I are each going to volley back and forth over the fence a few ideas of... Are we going to officially use ideas? Uh. You definitely already do. Yeah, I have to use idea. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna volley back and forth over the fence. I think three each, right? Three, yep. three potential Joes from other entertainment media form. Is that accurate, Kevin? What we're we doing today? Uh, yeah, yeah. I think you nailed it. Okay, I, I want I want yours first because. Uh, one of mine is so obvious based off of our constant interaction as buddies. I think you know immediately where I'm going to go with my first. So I, I'd rather have yours, if you don't mind, starting the show off. Alternate right. Joe. Alternate Joe number one. So you you uh, framed the concept originally around uh, it could be from a comic book or a different cartoon or a movie or whatever. I just up front will say that each of my choices is based on live action characters. Wow. Okay. Yes. And, you know, I feel confident in doing that because there is precedent for this. And just for a quick refresher for our audience, uh, the real GI Joe toy line had Sergeant Slaughter, who was an actual WWF, and yes, it will always be WWF wrestler at the time. Uh, Super Bowl champion William the Refrigerator Perry, as his character The Fridge, appeared in like 86 or something like that, right after the Bears won the 85 Super Bowl. Who were they, co- they coached by again, uh, Kevin Watts? That'd be Mike Ditka. Okay, just and I always forget who their coach was. <laughs> <laughs> and third, which I somehow did not realize, and I'm just kicking myself that I didn't look out for when they did the 25th anniversary reissue in, like, I think it was 2007, they reissued the Joe line. Guess who got his own character as a Cobra, a bad guy? I'm trying to... I'm going to spend the rest of the show. Just tell me. Rowdy Roddy Piper. Why? Because he's awesome. I know, but out of all of the people in the world, they choose Rowdy Roddy Piper? Yeah. (laughs) Guess how much an on-card figure of Rowdy Roddy Piper is today. Okay, so going back to the the Pee Wee episode, we're adding the death tax. Uh, yeah, I imagine that. that Adding the death true. tax. So, uh, I don't know, man. Let's, let's go Price is Right style. Let's go, let's go two forty nine ninety nine. I found one. Now they ranged a bit, but presumably this is the asking price and it assumes everything was mint and everything like that. It was almost identical to your, uh, Scareglow figure. It was just shy of $5,000. Where in the heck are people getting $5,000 to spend on egg? I mean, you and I, we, we, me more so than you. I mean, I, I have a uh, type BH when I'm spending like over 40 bucks on an action figure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 
great question. He did have a kilt, if that if that helps. A kilt, five um, G though, eh? Yeah. So, but anyway, I felt very comfortable in using uh, live action uh, characters to base my uh, my GI Joeing upon. And you did, so, did. Are you gonna warn the audience that your first choice, which is me as a GI Joe, we took that out of the show rules? Well, you did very, very humbly exclude yourself, and I think based upon your headband, you only did that because you want to be chosen for the He-Man line. Instead <laughs> of the what, what kind of headband exactly am I wearing, Kevin? to be a muscled up oily he-man because <laughs> you like he like he did have the power shout, shout out to junk brands if you ever want to go and get yourself a nice workout headband they uh they make a good product <laughs> all right man let's go so all right so i had this awesome idea so i thought to do the entire four-man a-team line yeah that's a good choice that's a really good you, choice. You get Hannibal, you get B.A., you get Face, and you get Murdoch. Now, a quick detour. As I recall back in the day, I don't believe they had, for G.I. Joe's, multi-pack guys. Like, you either got a single guy or you got a guy with a vehicle. But I don't believe they had multi-packs. So I don't want uh, Keith from time blaster toys to privately dm me and chastise me i don't want to google it either um i can only ever recall like you just said getting a vehicle that came with a fig or that's that iconic single card back the slim slim card back with the tiny four inch figure four and a half inch figure something like that three Um, three and three quarters they definitely didn't do you know, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles were huge on the multi-packs. Yeah, and, and and that became a thing with later reissues of the G.I. Joe line, and it was also true with Star Wars and whatever. So I, I just, again, it's supposed to be a quick detour, but I was kicking myself back and forth. Uh, do, I, do I release them as a four-pack so you get the whole team? But then I thought, you know what? One of the best parts about G.I. Joe guys was the artwork on the single card back. Such a, such a forgotten art form, Kevin. Right? I mean, it was so cool. And so I think you would want to have that illustrated version with, you know, the fire explosion thingy in the background of each of the A-team members. Okay. Um, it, it would have been like a natural fit in my mind. I mean, the A team guys were all, you know, Vietnam vets. They had uh, combat experience and like weapons and explosives, specialized skills, right? Yeah, espionage, like yeah. everything. Um, and I mean, being in the eighties, like at minimum, how in the world did Mister T not have his own? G.I. Joe figure. He was every bit as huge as Sergeant Slaughter in the fridge. Well, he, had, he had his own cartoon and his own cereal. Yeah, right? And so I thought this was just like spot on and I do remember them having a line of 18 figures that was like 6 inch or 8 inch figures but they were like heavy hard plastic um, 
not super poseable. I had face actually. And, uh, <laughs> he was the only one I had. He was like that lonely figure where you're like, what, what am I going to do with this when, when you pull out, <laughs> when you pull out your, uh, your toy box that you haven't yeah. looked at in about nine or 10 years and you, you start trying to categorize them and you just had that yeah, random like, fig. Who was he going to do? Play with like the dinosaurs? Like what was, was this nothing... guy from? Did he? Oh, that's right. It's the only, it's the only A team figure I own. Yeah, and so he ultimately met his uh, his early demise at the wheel of the exercise bike in my parents' basement. Um, I basically ground him from face into uh, two face from Batman. Mm. <laughs> so just painted a very anyway, uh, explicit picture. So, yeah. So I was super excited about this. I'm like, I am a pioneer and revolutionary and nobody thought of this. And then I did like three seconds of research and I realized that, oh, there was a line of 18 action figures from like 1983 or four. I think it was Galoob that made them. And uh, yeah, they were like three and three quarter inches. You could get the band, uh, everything. So I completely blew it. Um, I'll take, I'll take the, I'll take the fail on that one. However, as a quick substitute, Magnum PI, Magnum PI, also known as your dad's stepbrother. Yes. His doppelganger, uh, Magnum and his bros were also Vietnam vets. Magnum was an ex Navy SEAL. TC and Rick were Marines. Higgins was like British special forces or something. <clears throat> so they would have had. You know, plenty to bring to the table, and I don't think they would have been hazed too badly by the Joes. They could have kind of, you know, held their own. Um, there was apparently one, bizarrely, one single solitary three and three quarter inch Magnum figure with uh, Ferrari, but none of the other guys. And so it's like, all right, well, first of all, this guy, <laughs> he looks like the white, albeit more tan white version of the Lando Calrissian figure from Empire Strikes Back toys. Like it's, it's eerie how much he looks like him. Uh, oh, do you remember, the, no, do you remember the toy line? It was LJN that did it. Okay. So it couldn't have been, cause I mean, toy lines are notorious for taking overstock and creating right. new toy lines. That's that's totally what it looked like, but it's it's just lame. I mean, no Aloha Hawaiian shirt, no Detroit Tigers hat. How do you have Magnum without a Detroit yeah, Tigers? Yeah, it's iconic. Hat? Right. So I want to release the line of eighteen toys. I want Magnum with a Tigers hat and Aloha shirt and his forty-five. I want Higgins with his lads Apollo and Zeus, the uh, Doberman Pinchers. I want TC with his helicopter, and I don't know what we give Rick. Rick was the bar owner. Maybe we just, like, have him come with a bar set. I think you got to give him, I mean, you got to give him a towel to put over his shoulder. Yeah, yeah. Right? Like the bar back kind of thing. Yep, bartenders are always, they always have a white towel over their shoulder. That'd work. I mean, if he comes with a bar, it'd be like um, like the cantina in Star Wars. Like you could buy that. So do you give him? Do you give him uh, Moe's under the counter shotgun? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> could that work? Yeah. Now, the only thing I wasn't sure about—well, actually, I was sure—and it, it kind of made me giggle. Like, 
clearly TC would have been boys with Wild Bill. They're both fly helicopters. Rick probably would have been buds with like Shipwreck, who you know spent spent his spare time in like seedy you know port bars and such. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Magnum, I don't know, man. Like I think Flint and Duke might have been a little jelly when uh, Magnum's hanging out with Scarlet and Lady J. I mean, even the Baroness would have had a hard time resisting Magnum. All right, without making your dad feel uncomfortable, Tom Selleck is on my top five most handsome 80s action stars. Yes, and for the thing that I'm envisioning, like, let's be really clear here. They better put some real work into that stash. Don't disrespect the man and the God that created him with that beautiful face art by skimping on the stash. Now, are you going to put some burrito meat on his chest? Oh, he's got to have it. Yeah, okay. I mean, the way that they can detail stuff now, like, I, I want I want some pristine, like, grade A effort in this one. Yeah, I think you're, you're absolutely heading in the right direction that I wanted you to head because um, my mind is, is a tiz right now. Because you could do so much with the A-team. And you could do so much with Tom Selleck as Magnum P.I. in action figure form. For sure. What you got, brother? This is going to go back to a very recent episode we had in which you and I, and we, we have another topic coming up soon, which will be uh, very related to this. In our 30s slash 40s, discovering certain toy lines existed and then somehow missing them as children, but then needing them as adults. Need it. The fact that Chuck Norris had the Karate Commandos 1986, uh, what was supposed to be a five-episode miniseries to uh, showcase and and build a cartoon series, but just kind of stayed the five-episode miniseries. Uh, yeah. If you look at these action figures, which I spent the entire week looking at Chuck Norris action <laughs> figures on eBay... <laughs> <laughs> there's a you tease yourself there is a, i know dude one of these days i'll get off this wallet it won't be soon though um <laughs> this he has orange hair though in the cartoon did you notice yeah, that i did i don't know why yes. like he has like dark brownish hair but in the cartoon he's got this like fatty orangish reddish hair um yeah. he has these absurd costumes as the karate commando himself um, let me read the description of the show because this literally made me LOL. This is a fictionalized version of Chuck Norris in a United States government operative position with a team of, I don't know why they said this, racially diverse warriors known as the Karate Commandos. They were indeed. Together they fight against the organization Vulture, led by Claw and his right man, the Super Ninja. Dude, listen to these episodes. Wait, wait, was this like... Was this, like, Claw before he finished his evil doctorate in Inspector Gadget? I guess. The episode titles, <laughs> in actual chronological order. Episode 1, Deadly Dolphin. <laughs> episode band name. Episode band. 2, Target, Chuck Norris. Episode 3. Good luck with that. Terror Train. Episode 4, Menace from Space. And episode 5, the Island of the Walking Dead. Ooh. So Chuck Norris is in this kind of goofy five-episode series that goes, like, straight to VHS. Um, 
Kenner made a, a line of characters from the show. On the secondary market, they're not super expensive. Like, I think a, a fully, um, you know, packaged, on-card back, unpunched figure is really only like a couple hundred bucks, which is not yeah. a lot when you're talking about vintage toy lines, especially now that a lot of us, uh, you know, Gen Xers and Millennials are making decent enough money where we're trying to repurchase our memories. Yeah. Um, I, 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 I think you very easily slot Chuck Norris in as an alternate Joe. I mean, we don't need to be too far removed from the karate skills on full display in Return of Dragon. Uh, his military skills, his, his jungle acumen in A Force of One, Silent Rage, Missing in Action, the Delta Force. And then, of course, if you really wanted to bebop him, throw a cowboy hat on him, you could very easily make a Walker, Texas Ranger, G.I. Joe. Yeah, and honestly, I think there's there's some precedent for the way he would slot into the cartoon because, like, in Expendables 2, he kind of pops in and out quickly. Yep. Like, he doesn't have to be, like, you know, the end-all, be-all star. He can just have his little bit part and, you know, kick some butt and he's on his way. I couldn't agree more, Kevin, and uh, I'll wrap him up, you know, in a bow just by saying Chuck Norris can divide by zero. Uh, indeed. Uh, Chuck Norris can kill two stones with one bird. Chuck Norris once ordered a Big Mac at Burger King and got one. <laughs> Chuck Norris can slam a revolving door. Chuck Norris once visited the Virgin Islands. Guess what they're called now? The Just, the Islands. Islands. Just the Islands. Just the Islands. When the boogeyman goes to sleep at night, Kevin, what do you think he checks for under his bed? Could it be uh, a fiery orange-haired fellow? <laughs> yeah, yeah, he does. He checks for Chuck Norris. In, in fact... I actually read this from scripture when God said, let there be light. Chuck Norris said, say, please. <laughs> and I think, you know, from an economic standpoint, the chief export of Chuck Norris is pain. Uh, but, but pain. Picking. pain. Pain. Okay. Yeah. Pain. There you go. So I had to do that. Sorry. Enough of that. Okay. Enough of those shenanigans. Sorry. <sighs> so... Why do you do this to yourself? You actually have like an advanced degree in intelligence going on up there. You're talking to a 30-something man who's quoting Chuck Norris quotes to you in a podcast. Very clever ones. I love them. So part of me, my next pick, which is kind of like the crown jewel of my picks. Okay. On the one hand, it will not be a surprise to you or anybody who knows me whatsoever uh, on the other hand, I'm both saddened and enraged that this never happened before. And, like, I think we need to move heaven and earth to make this happen. It's criminal that the entire team of Dutch and bros from Predator... yeah was not a G.I. Joe line. So I'm, 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 I'm teeing you up right now. I'm going to do a timeout. To break the fourth wall, this episode, the whole topic, really kind of stems back to, because you know, you know me, I write, my, I write down my notes. I write down my little show notes on posties and all that stuff. This really stems back to your beautiful description 
of the entire cast uh, in our Arnold movie tournament bracket. And me thinking like, what an injustice that the only toy that you ever see from Predator is just, you just see Dutch. Like you see, yeah. you see, even now when they, when, I don't know, I'm trying to think of the one, the one I got you, is that Super 7? Um, no, no, it's some other it's toy a, line. No, it's cause it's a, it's a bigger, well, no, it's a bigger figure though. Most of the Super 7 ones I have are the three, three but four. even but in, anyways, re- yeah, but Super 7 does, they do them. I have a Predator, uh, Seven. The point I'm trying to make is like in these re-releases, why are you still not getting any of the I agree, dude. And so first of all, like Predator, I assume, fine, I will concede that kids, actual, you know, children who were playing with G.I. Joe's in, in around nineteen eighty seven were probably not supposed to have seen Predator. This doesn't matter. Fine. Kevin. Fine, fine, fine. Rambo fine. had a toy line. Uh, um, uh, uh, Rambo had a toy line. Commando. They came out with Matrix uh, toys. Right, yeah. They, you know what I mean? Like, I, I get that, but well, in the same respect. It, yeah, no, and, and that's a phenomenal point. But also, in reality, anybody who was anybody saw Predator as a kid. So, yes. by the time I had seen Predator, I was nearing the end of toy playing age that I, I still had a couple years left but i wasn't interested in like the day glow wearing laser shooting kinds of gi joes that started to come out more and more in the late 80s yeah i wanted the guys who looked like they belonged in the jungle battling the predator and so that's what i would do my friends and i would find like you know we'd gather up like flint and stalker and leatherneck and hit and run and foot loose, like all the guys who were dressed in fatigues um, and looked like they could take on an alien hunter. And we would play in the backyard and like put them in the trees and all that stuff. And so I'm thinking, imagine to, to sort of echo your longing point earlier about why they don't have the other guys. Just think of the accessories you would have had. If you had these other guys, you'd have Blaine, with a Gatling gun, you'd have Mac with an M60, and I would say a blue razor. A Bic would have been sweet. Can the uh, can the can the razor top break off of it? It has to. Yes, you have to be able to break it off. You get Dylan with like dual H and Ks. You get Poncho with a grenade launcher. Hawkins, yeah, he probably just gets a radio, but you know, whatever. We'll we'll give him a machine gun. Um, Billy gets a machete. Uh, he probably should be shirtless, you know, with a little scar, maybe. Yeah, I um, see that. I mean, and make the Predator. But you could fit him in. He could be like, I don't know, trained by Dr. Mindbender to like join the Cobras or something. I, I could envision, actually, it, I mean, if you're going to go... So when we do build our time machine and we do go back in time, because you and I, we're, we're focused on that. It's going to happen someday. I could see, you know, anytime they took a toy line uh, from a movie at least in the 80s, they took some major league, uh, what's the right way of putting it? There were concessions made sometimes to make the toy line a little bit more friendly. Yeah. Is that a fair statement? Yeah. yeah I, I could totally see them making some more, like, 
still yucky and scary, but like alternate predators. Like a blue predator, you know, with a lightning bolt over his shoulder. And a, a, a orange predator with a flame thing over his shoulder. Like, they would do that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if you're being true to the movie, which I think you should be, um, you could have, you know, predator, like, with the mask, without the mask. You know, you could do stuff like that. Every kid um, would lose that mask, by the way. <laughs> Within, like, the first... First day. I would have lost it in the car on the way home. Yes. Like, as soon as I opened the thing, like, the package would have flown open and everything went spilling. That was always me. Yeah. I think, uh... And the Predator crew would have been a good cultural fit, too, with the Joes. Um, you know, it was a very inclusive group, and like uh, Chuck Norris's group, uh, dare I use the idiotic buzzword woke yes uh you know predator uh was doing it just like gi joe was you know predator the whole movie the whole crew had like three white guys in it everybody else you had plenty of good representation right you got three black guys if you include the predator you got uh hispanic guy two of them if you include anna you got you have an indigenous person you have an indigenous person in there absolutely right and so you know, and then the G.I. Joes, it was, it was also like a rainbow coalition of bad arses, including the women, too, right? Like, I mean, basically, everybody is represented in G.I. Joe. You and I have discussed this before. Uh, not that systemic racism doesn't exist or cultural biases, but I really do credit the fact that you and I are more or less pretty uh, gray in terms of our uh, recognition of cultures and colors, because... All the stuff we liked was the most Rainbow Coalition crap you could possibly think of as kids. Well, yeah, I mean, because that's the way it's supposed to be. And you know what didn't happen back in the day? You didn't have, like, Ronald Reagan up there, like, shaking his fist, saying it was a bad thing that, like, Predator and G.I. Joe had different kinds of people, Americans of different stripes, working together. It just was what it was. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it was, it was, it, it was very much this micro dosing you of accepting people from different sexes, different backgrounds, different skill abilities, all that types of stuff. I mean, X-Men for God's sakes was developed by Stan Lee to fight against like systemic racism. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, basically every superhero ever made had that kind of baked into his or her DNA. And so, uh, as far as like crossovers, Predator is a natural fit. Yeah. I mean, all those guys would have been totally, totally accepted by the Joes. And uh, man, what a what an addition. They now, were- are we going to ask the Predator crew to clean it up a bit in terms of the mouth around the Joes? Ooh, ooh. Uh, well, you know, there are like the uh, deleted scenes from some of the G.I. Joe cartoons. Maybe that's... Maybe that's what happened in those. Shout out to E-Bombs World in 2000 calling us. <laughs> <laughs> One of the best things ever made. Yes. Kevin, you've, uh, man, you're, so you're two for two in making me smile and laugh and happy about awesome additions to the Joe line. But I've got one that I, I seriously, it's, it's almost a ripoff of G.I. Joe Except it's it's such a great area because if you really break it down to the stuff that you and I enjoyed as kids and still do today, I know I say that a lot, but let's let's just 
call it this, our lives as little kids. Yes. There was so much crossover and straight up trademark infringement of characters from cartoon to cartoon. I mean, oh yeah. The the differences between the star of one action cartoon and another, it, they're so infinitesimal. Like they're so small because you just took any 80s. Let's look back in time. You're looking at several common themes in the cartoons that you and I loved as kids. It's like some kind of PSA, right? Either before yep. or after the episode, there's a PSA telling you what not to do as a kid. Yep. There's some type of very, very, very simple enemy. They're usually Russian-looking or communist-looking or communist-leaning. You, you Like, you knew who the enemy was. Um, yep. There's still a little bit of... <laughs> Let's just call it hard feelings embedded from things like World War II and Vietnam. In a lot of the cartoons that we grew up, they all kind of have the same similar backgrounds. The dudes usually have some awesome fighting ninja skills and some cool guns. Like, there's some common themes. Yeah. How in the heck do we not have a crossover with Man at Arms, a.k.a. Duncan, from Masters of the Universe as a G.I. Joe? You know, it's funny you mention that. He, so, full disclosure, I was not a huge He-Man figure guy. Mm -hmm. I had I had He-Man and I had Skeletor, and I watched the show all the time. But my buddy, Kevin Kalish, shout out to Kevin Kalish, he loved He-Man. And, and the first time I saw Man-at-Arms, I thought he was like the He-Man version of Major Blood. Oh, yeah, I could see that. You know? Yeah. Like, he could be, like, the good version of Major Blood. Right. Like maybe his, like, you know, good twin or something like that, his counterpart on the Joe side as opposed to Cobra. Yeah. And, you know, what's always weirds me out about the fig. Not not that we can, we're going to get sidetracked, but we always do. I blame you. You sidetracked me. The initial man-at-arms had no mustache. But in the Filmation oh. cartoon, he has a mustache. Oh, yeah. Doesn't it make a huge difference? It does. Like, yeah, imagine... I was thinking of the cartoon. But, imagine you know, my dad, the great American, with no mustache. No, I will not do that. I don't... I, I told him. I said... I mean, I remember a few years ago, there was a there was a horrible joke going around in our family that he may be cutting his mustache. And I, I straight up told him, you and I, we can have our disagreements. If you shave that mustache, the same mustache that has humbled... A bald eagle. The same mustache that for somehow, in some way, is the color red, white, and blue without being red, white, and blue. If my dad shaves that mustache, he's not my dad anymore. If if he were ever to do that, I would have to borrow a line from the illustrious Barney Gumble, And I would tell him, go back to Russia! <laughs> <laughs> so, so Duncan's... I, I some of this stuff I, I I just love the formalness of guys our age who make sites like uh, He Man Wiki or Masters of the Universe Wiki and you get like very uh, professional descriptions of the cartoons that we remember. So Duncan's role in Eternia it makes sense now reading it. He was the advisor to the ruling planetary monarch 
and Royal Guard on things of military and police affair significance. Wow. That's like, that's like one of those terrible entries on a resume where you're like, so what did you actually do? Exactly. That's, <laughs> that's your cover page, Duncan. So, and, that, and so side note, I didn't, I didn't really think about this until we, you know, walked through this show topic. Doesn't he look like snow job? Uh, yeah, yeah, maybe a little bit. Like the facial hair, the facial accompaniments, the reddish brownish hair. Yeah. Yeah. The hair. Yeah. And, and yeah. well, does he, is he going to tell kids to get off his ice? Dude. You know, that would, that would tell the tale. His, his, uh, some of his sayings are iconic, but I'm thinking of like GI Joe skills and abilities. He's got an engineering prowess, mastery of weapons. He's an inventor. Some reason he has telepathy. I don't know why he's a master combat instructor. Uh, he's already acting in the show as like a fatherly figure to his adopted daughter, Tila, and then advising Prince Adam. So you could very easily see him transitioning into telling kids, you know, to not answer the phone and give your address away, like in the G.I. Joe PSAs. Yeah, like don't eat these kind of berries or don't step on that power line. or whatever. Yeah, if you see a fire, call 911. I could easily see yeah. him doing this. Um He's got some really cool inventions. So just a, a real quick, I could see him just man, using these against Cobra. Electronic version of the power sword that Adam needed to have put together for the sword to work. You could do that with a multitude of weapons in the Joe universe. He at one point invents an electromagnetic lasso gun, which is basically like a flashlight that shoots out webbing that is as strong as like Spider-Man's webbing. Wow. So it's kind of a... Uh like a Spider-Man Wonder Woman packed into a flashlight. Yeah, it's a great way of describing it. Um, he, he develops a transmutator. As as we all should have. He's basically the MacGyver of Eternia. How do you transmutate something? I don't, don't know. Don't you either, like, mutate it or not? Duncan like, did. What, what, is the tra- what does the trans do to that? And the G.I. Joe episodes that you and I so love, they're incomplete without the PSAs. Yep. Filmation embedded within the He-Man episodes, PSAs as well. Again, going back to what I just said a few moments ago, common themes within 80s cartoons. Everybody had to tell you, including uh, Chuck Norris and Mr. T, what to do or not to do. Yep. Check out this line from one of his PSAs. Now, Adam, when Granamir had his fiery tug of war with another dragon, he won fair and square, and then he stopped. He let go. Because as soon as you take advantage of being a winner, you've really lost. That is deep. It's basically a G.I. Joe PSA, but in the Masters of the Universe Filmation He-Man series. It sure is. So I'd love to see what, what He-Man would have done with, like, don't pet that you know, rabid wolf or whatever. Yeah, I mean, so to me, he's one that stood out. Man-at-arms could have, gosh darn, he could have so easily been a Joe. Great call. Yeah. Great call. Man-at-arms. Duncan, my man. So, for my for my last one, my sort of like I, third and a half, I guess, I'm I'm willing to let I'm no I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna let you do that I think I think Tom Selleck 
could have been on the A-team. In fact, depending on how many uh, Metallica waters we've had, maybe he was on the A-team at one point in our brain. So you, this is your three. This is your three spot. Dude, just gave me an amazing idea. Don't let me forget. Okay, I won't. Um, all right, so this is very short because, frankly, I spent my wad on Predator. Yes. But <laughs> um, a movie that we have discussed on the show, um, you discussed on the show before I joined the show, and I have been clothed in a shirt from this movie. Don't do it. Don't. I'm doing No, it. don't do it. Dude, my head's going to explode. Dude. Frank Dukes. Oh. And Ray Jackson. Beautiful. From Bloodsport. Beautiful. Join the Joes. Such a good... Gosh darn it, Kevin. Such a good pick, man. That's why you're on the show. This is why Dude. you are... You are 60% of this podcast because of answers <laughs> like that. Bloodsport up in here. Bloodsport and G.I. Joe combo. Can you imagine how much amazing karate-ish fighting would be going on. You get Frank Dukes and Jackson. They're fitting right in with Snake Eyes and Quick Kick and Spirit. Like, it, frankly, again, in the spirit of, you know, multiple guys. And let's not leave Cobra out here. Let's give Cobra Chong Lee. Let's give Cobra that, like, dumpier looking dude with a terrible mustache that like wins by hugging people he has to tung lee has to have a komodo like that you can put on and off of the figure though yeah they could do that they did it with star wars guys a lot you have to remove the case yes because i want to see like a very bulky coverall and then i want to take that coverall off and see all of what that man was made out of yes if bolo young had like a three and three quarter inch figure, like two and three quarter inches of that figure would have to be dedicated to his pecs. What did he bench? Uh, like, do you ever watch Bloodsport and just car. go, like, <laughs> I mean, if he's not throwing four wheels on each side and oh, easily yeah. just pumping that out. He's repping, he's repping 405. The pecs, my gosh. Yeah. So, you know, and teaming him up with Storm Shadow. Man, I mean, dude, that's that's a pretty formidable duo. And, and then, you know, throw in Dumpy Guy or, like, that one annoying tall guy who just fights with his hands way up in the air. Like, uh, what about the little know? African dude that kind of crawls around on all fours? Yeah, but he was kind of a good guy. Like, he wasn't a bad guy. Yeah, but, I mean, this is 80s cartoons slash toy lines. You could make him a bad guy in the toy line. That's true. Um, yeah, I mean, if we have to, like, even it out... Uh, maybe, yeah, I don't know. But either way, I think that they would slot in very well because the great part about G.I. Joe, it it was, you know, initially mostly about like, you know, like gun-toting combat sort of figures kind of in line with the original 12-inch figures. But pretty quickly they were like, uh, ninjas are awesome. Oh, yeah. Have some ninjas. Yes. And let's give Scarlet a crossbow, and then let's throw some animals in there. So, yeah, like, karate guys from, from Bloodsport or, like, whatever, MMA styles, they would have totally slotted in. Now, Kevin, the Frank Dukes, like, put up your Dukes, the Frank Dukes action figure. This wasn't really around in our day, 
And I think the Lord above that it's around in our current day, which is the multiple uh, hands, arms, heads that come with action figures so that you're not just stuck with one face on your action figures. Yeah. Do we have to have Frank Dukes with the iconic scream face after he gets blinded in the final match? The answer is yes. Okay. And, and further to that idea, I think you need to have the very modern version of figs that have multiple, multiple, multiple points of articulation. Yes. Because he's got to be able to do the splits. He's got to be able to, you know, like put his feet in multiple different positions. And, you know, we got to have maximum flexibility if we're talking JCVD here. Should he come with a pulley system that uh, spreads his entire uh, split body in four different directions? Yeah. And then maybe like, Jackson could have like a pulse string in his back and he could say that hurts me just looking at it. <laughs> so good. <laughs> hey, you know what, Kevin, if nobody cares about this show, I care about this show. Cause stuff like that makes my day. You know what else is going to make your day real quickly before we, we leave our heroes from Bloodsport. Uh, did you know that Ray Jackson in real life, Mr. Donald Gibb is a resident of Gross Point, Michigan. Wow. My buddy, Timmy G, shout out to Timmy G, just so happens to know him from their kids at school. No. So you have two degrees of separation to one of the coolest 80s action stars, in my humble opinion, of all time. Indeed. For those who are not familiar with Bloodsport, I'm thinking more of like our dad's generation's Booger. Or not Booger, but um, what's his name from uh, Animal House? Uh, ogre from Revenge ogre. of the Nerds. Yeah, or Revenge of the Nerds. That's what it was. Yeah, Ogre from Revenge of the Nerds. That's But he plays an awesome character in Bloodsport. Yeah. Yeah, wow, unreal. Cool. So when are we going to visit him? I've been bugging him about it. I was going to invite him to come uh, to come check out the man cave, but given that I have a Bolo Young autograph picture in there, I thought it was a bad idea. Now if we meet him, do we both wear our matching Bloodsport shirts? Oh, for sure. The same shirt that a Krav Maga instructor commented me uh, uh, to me on at Kroger. <laughs> we should get a Bloodsport shirt with Jackson on it. That would really be awesome. So dope. That's a great. That's an excellent. I didn't. My mind didn't even come close to going to Bloodsport, but yes, yes, ev- yes, it works every way you could think of it working. You could even have, could even have Frank Dukes like in his military garb as one fig. You could have him in his his uh, Kumite trunks. Yeah. You could have him in his training outfit, right? You could have multiple yep. figures from Frank Dukes in Bloodsport. And they would. They'd certainly want you to buy him like as many times as possible. My my final choice is almost cheating. It's so straightforward. Kevin, have you ever seen? I know you've seen Toy Story. Sure. But have you seen the Toy Story of Terror? It came out in 2013. <laughs> no. It's a, it's just a half hour special. It like went straight to DVD and Blu-ray. It's called the Toy Story of Terror. It's a half hour special. It's actually like a package DVD. Um, I think they put it out right around Halloween or something. All I know is 
it came into our world when we had little, little, littles. Um, and John and Kira particularly would watch this Toy Story of Terror available streaming on Disney Plus app right now. Um, they'd watch it like incessantly. It's a cute, yeah. cute little movie. Um, it takes the Toy Story cast characters. They're staying at this like seedy motel hotel and all of Andy's toys are vanishing. And they can't figure out what's going on. Well, this this guy who runs this dirtball motel, he has a pet iguana. And when people check into the motel, if they have little kids, the iguana steals their action figures or their toys or their dollies or whatever, brings them back to the guy who's working the desk, and he sells them on eBay. <laughs> so the figs keep vanishing. They can't figure out why. Well, there is a keynote character in this movie totally went over my head kevin apparently this figure is in toy story one in like multiple places uh particularly in sid's room and then sid's yard that has like the what the cemetery of broken toys and everything yeah yeah if you go back you kick yourself in the pants for not noticing this but in toy story of terror they feature a character voiced by none other than carl weathers Called Combat Carl. Man. Yep. There's a there's a Dude. there's a Combat Carl. It's basically a knockoff of a GI Joe, but it's in this Toy Story of Terror. And Kevin, the first time we watched it, I'm like, that's Carl Weathers. Dude. Steph's like, what? I go, Combat Carl. That's Carl Weathers. Like that. It, it's con. I go look it on your phone right now course it's carl weathers so carl weathers voices combat carl in these toy story uh movies and this 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 character kevin is hilarious that is fantastic absolutely hilarious um at one point uh if you buy the D- the dvd slash blu-ray they actually have a mock commercial with combat carl in it it's in like in 2d animation and it, it's <laughs> It's a ripoff of like the PSAs. It's commissioned by the National Cough Safety Council, and it sh- it shows Carl Weathers as Combat Carl uh, telling these two little kids the importance of coughing properly, like <laughs> into your shoulder. Now this is pre-COVID, so it's like yeah, 2013. Yeah. So to have the foresight um, that parents find it funny to have a PSA of the National Cough Safety Council, Combat Carl tells, "Hey kids, remember." When you cough, <laughs> cough into your shoulder like that. Man, I'll tell you what. I like to think that I am a very conscious cough safety person. But if I had Carl Weathers instructing me, nay, commanding me to cough a certain way, you best believe I would improve. I would become a better, more safe coffer than ever. Do me a favor, if not for anything, just for to verify this. Uh, when you go home tonight, throw on the Plus app and look up Toy Story of Terror and just give yourself like two minutes of Combat Carl in Toy Story of Terror. Well, to borrow a line from Rocky, Apollo, I like it. It's very American. No chickens. It's very smart. He's so good as Combat Carl Kevin. He's good at everything he does. That man, 
You ever seen anything Carl Weathers is in that you don't like Carl's Carl Weathers being in it? Uh, no, it is impossible. It is not possible to have something like that. Really? I was actually just reminded uh, this week by my buddy Nick Nowakowski. Shout out to Nick. Uh, Carl Weathers was also in um, Guns and Navarone. So I got to go back and revisit that gem because there's some awesome stuff that he was in even before. This was like pre-Rocky. So, man. Great athlete. Great athlete, too. Oh. Like real-life yeah. great athlete. Yeah, you played football for USC and... I think didn't he make the Raiders briefly? Like yes, yes he shit. did. Yes he did. I think it was. Uh, I want to say it was like an Achilles strain or something like that. That kind of did him did him in. Oh yeah, something like that. But uh, yeah, yeah, I just Carl Weathers. <laughs> Carl Weathers is combat Carl in Toy Story. Is there awesome? Absolutely love that idea. Carl Weathers just. I mean, he. I would be fine with him appearing twice. I mean, he could be Dylan and Combat Carl. I'm totally cool with that. What's funny, too, it's odd that you say that. Um, do you remember toy, toys companies capitalizing on large figures that came with minifigures, a la KB Toys releasing X-Men with, like, a Wolverine in it, and then it came with a little Wolverine? Yeah. Or a Sabretooth yeah. with a little Sabretooth, yeah. or a, yeah. you know, Omega Red with a little Omega Red? They kind of poke fun at that in Toy Story of Terror because uh, Combat Carl has this little, like, four-inch Combat Carl that follows him around in the movie. Dude, that's phenomenal. Um, Go back and check it out. I, I'm going to do some homework on it. it, it sorry, I said Guns and Navarone earlier. It's Force 10 from Navarone. Whatever, I know. Um, yeah, dude. Like, great choice. Great choices across the board. I mean, um, I, I, can't, I can't say enough about your idea for this topic coming in and you know kind of picking me up after i was i was bummed out but don't worry we will we will bring back destro another day i'll call you this weekend and we'll we'll talk more about the weather related episode uh like i said sometimes it just takes you know i had had to spend three years in third grade so um you know sometimes it just takes time for me to learn things uh one thing we gotta point out we love the audience we love the audience. We need more interaction, baby. We need more Q&A. We need more uh, rate us. Rate us on Apple Podcasts. Even if you hate us, just rate us. Um, it really helps kind of push the podcast. It gets it into the algorithm uh, space and gets it on other people's uh, radars. We, yeah. we, we're really kind of building momentum. It's kind of exciting. A lot of the shows uh, are catching on and we're seeing a lot of re-listens and stuff like that, but... To the extent that you interact with us, it really does help the show. Uh, leave a Q&A on Spotify. Uh, rate us on Apple Podcasts. And, uh, man, we, we just we appreciate it. We like doing this. It's fun. Uh, we're going to keep doing it until we get sick of each other because we don't even care about the viewership at this point. It's just us talking every week for an hour, man. Just a couple of bozos shooting the breeze. All right, Kevin, I think uh, there's only one way we can end this episode properly. I think you and I both now know, and if I'm correct, knowing is precisely one half of the battle. So if we're looking at a pie chart, knowing is half the battle. Yes, and the other half is lasers. G.I. Joe! Love you, Kev. Bye.
Love you, bye.